Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 31st of July 2011, entitled The Pillar of Cloud and the Person of Christ, Part 2. And the Bible readings are taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 27, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to take our scripture reading again uh, this evening from, uh, first of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 19, and we'll read through chapter 10, verse 13. I invite you to stand for the honor, to honor the reading of God's holy word beginning in 1 Corinthians 9 and 19. The Apostle Paul, writing under inspiration to the church at Corinth, said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain, corrupt, to, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. Well, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. With all the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Father, I thank you again this evening for the time that you have given us, for your word that we have before us, for your spirit that dwells within us, for the redemption that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for the privilege of prayer that we have in coming to you in his name once again at this time. And Father, as we spend this next bit of time together, I do pray, Lord, that you would use that spirit, that you would anoint thy servant, that you would speak to the hearts here this evening, that you would take your word, and that it would go forth as you would have it to go forth. Father, meeting the needs of each and every individual that hears, you know the needs of the heart, May you take your power, your word, for your glory, 
and meet the needs of each one. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, as we began here last week and we see in this passage that first of all, the Paul is encouraging this church that the kind of ministry that they should be involved in, that the kind of race that they should be running is one to win. Not just to get out there and run for the sake of running. Not just to be a church for the sake of being a church. But that there's much to do, but it's, though there's lots of people in the race, there's only one prize at the end. We should be running this to be a winner. Of course, then he goes and he takes us back to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And he here speaks of the nation of Israel when they were under the cloud, when they were in the cloud, when they were given of the spiritual food and the spiritual drink that they were. And he makes it very clear here that that which they had was the rock, which was Jesus Christ himself. So as we begin to look, he goes on down then and he tells us that, you know, this should, if, if, if we're racing this race to win, if we're wanting to see ministries that are effective for his glory, that the things can be accomplished that are pleasing to God, not to us, the reality is, is that there's going to be a lot of things that try to trip us up along the way. He said, you ought to be able to look back at the nation of Israel and the mistakes that they made and learn from those things and not make those same mistakes. They're there as an example to you to be able to learn from those things. And of course, he gives us that awesome warning there in verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Just as sure, it's the Christian that thinks that he can't fall. It's the Christian that thinks that he's so strong that nothing's going to bother him. It's the Christian that thinks that he's so strong that there's absolutely nothing the devil can bring against him. Just as sure as Peter was when he stood there and he looked the Lord Jesus Christ in the face and he said, all the rest of them might turn against you. They might scatter. They might run. But Lord, I'll be there till the death. There's no way that I would do that. But before the cock crowed, he had denied him three times. Lord, I would die before I would deny you. See, the simple truth is, there is a race that we're in. And there's going to be a lot of obstacles. And the devil's going to be trying to trip us up, just as he did the nation of Israel when they were going through the wilderness. But as we began to look last week at this pillar of cloud, and we said this this would have been an awesome sight, this pillar of cloud of, by day and a fire by night. We used to seeing clouds going that way across the sky, but this was a pillar of a cloud that was before them. And it led the way. We find that the pillar of cloud can teach us much. And especially when we look at it in relation to the person of Christ. Now, we went to the Old Testament last week into the book of Exodus, and we looked at all of those passages in Exodus. I said, there are a few other places in the Old Testament where that pillar of cloud are mentioned in referring back to that, but this was the journey that they were making and those different things that we saw, and we looked at that. Then I made mention that as we look into the New Testament and we see that cloud, we see that cloud in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember that here, the Apostle Paul is tying these things together. He's the one that's saying, reminding them of the pillar of cloud that was leading them. And he's also reminding them that when they were fed during that time, that it was actually the same rock, the same Christ that feeds you and I today. When we look into the New Testament, we see that cloud and we, we said there were three places that we see it mentioned. And we looked at a few of those the first one was the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> the second was the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ as he left here bodily re to return to the Father. And the third is when we find it talking about him returning in his glory. Now, there's something I said you need to keep in mind. 
The simple truth is we find a lot of things today, an awful lot of things that I think I would be afraid to do that are done because it is supposed to be in the presence of the Lord. We see demands made upon him. We see statements made about him and to him. One of the things that I find interesting is I see here that, you know, no man has ever been able to look upon God. Why? Very simple. In your physical body that is tainted with sin, if you were to look on the pure glory of God in all of his essence, you wouldn't be able to, to withstand it. <laughs> I don't know what would happen to you if you just turn into a puff or, or what. <laughs> but the reality is, is that our physical bodies could not stand it. So we find here that Moses got a glance of his backside. We find that Old Testament, God, remember it was the angel of the Lord that we saw there, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself in that cloud. When we look at all of that in the Old Testament and we look into the New Testament, the transfiguration, what was happening there? It was the glory of God that was being seen through the sun. When Jesus was ascending and descending, the simple truth is, is that cloud is used again when it's the glory of the Lord that is coming in because something has got to be able to prevent us from looking upon that glory in its fullness without our glorified bodies. One day, one day we'll be able to be before him, but we'll be as him. Sin will be a past thing. Now, as we look back here, I just want to give you a few things this evening because the real purpose of this is, yes, there's, there's the encouragement, the challenge, and the race that we should be running. There's the warning of all the places that you can be tripped up along the way. Boy, there's that tremendous promise there in verse 13 that I believe that we can learn so much in looking at the pillar of cloud and the person of Christ when he said, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're not the only one. <laughs> I don't care how strong it's coming along. You think, yeah, but boy, it was different for me. <laughs> that temptation, just the way it caught me, you know, nobody would really understand. Nope, there's not a temptation you've ever had or ever will have. But you're the only one that's had it. He says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Temptations that others will face as well. But God is faithful. All of you are going to face temptations. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. I'm saying this evening, we do have a race and we need to be running that race to win it and we need to be trying to make our lives count and we ought to be running for the prize. We ought to be careful because we've got somebody that's going to be trying to trip us up and there are temptations that are going to come our way and none of us should feel that we're so strong that we couldn't get tripped up that we couldn't stumble. There's not a one of us here this evening. There's not anybody that will ever listen to this sermon that is in some kind of a super category that is so far above sin that they could never, ever fall. It's a dangerous place to be. But then he goes on to tell us, look, Temptations are going to be there. You haven't faced any temptation but what everybody else's temptation, but he wants us to realize something. God is faithful. And with every temptation that comes, there is a way of escape. There's nothing that comes in our lives that we have to stumble over it. We know. We know that we're looking for that day when we've got those glorified bodies and we can know the absolute perfect holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, of God himself. Until that day, unfortunately, we're going to make mistakes. Let's just get plainer. We're going to sin. We are going to sin. 
But that sin can be covered by Jesus Christ. We can't say that, well, I didn't have any choice in that. Man, God had just preordained that, and that was something that I had to fall into. I'm glad I got it over with. <laughs> Simple truth is, he says that God is faithful, that there has no temptation come without a way of escape, a way to get out of it. Look at just a couple of things here, because I believe this is what we're looking. The children of Israel, unfortunately, they fell to a lot of those temptations. When they were going from where God was taking them to to where God wanted to get them to, boy, did they have to go the long way around. And the simple truth is, so most of them never got to enter into that promise because they got too tripped up along the way. He's saying that we can learn from that. They had the pillar of cloud to guide them. And in that pillar of cloud, may I say to you, as we saw there, first of all, when we looked in Exodus chapter 13, that they had the presence of God himself. The pillar of cloud was there. It said to us, first of all, in Exodus chapter 13, and the, in verse 21, and the Lord went. Who went before them? And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud. It was the Lord himself that was there in their presence. Now, that cloudy pillar that was there before them, that was a visible evidence of the invisible God. That was a manifestation. God himself, the Lord, Jehovah God, was there present in that cloud. Just as surely. Well, we could spend tonight and tomorrow and a long time coming looking at all the verses in the New Testament that point us clearly that in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is present with you and I. Just as God was present with them there, they didn't have to wander in that wilderness all those years. They didn't have to be mumblers and complainers and adulterers and all those things that we see here in the Scripture that he's warning us against because the Lord was present with them. We find that very, very familiar passage that we read, I guess, almost, well, probably every Christmas at some point when we look at the Gospel of John chapter 1. John tells the story of the coming of Christ in a, a little different way than any of the other Gospels. He doesn't go back and show all the physical things that were taking place, but boy, he shows what was happening spiritually when that Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Notice what he says down in verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word, the logos, all the whole concept of all of God that he is, it was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was God incarnate upon this earth. The Jesus that we have today. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 to 6. He says this. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your service for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The nation of Israel in that pillar of cloud, they had the presence of God with them. And I'm saying just as surely today, we have the presence of God with us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 16, the Bible says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. 
God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. And I give you one other in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, beginning in verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Notice what he says in verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins set down on the right hand of the majesty on high Jesus Christ I'm saying to you we can we can lay claim to that promise. There is a race to be won. And we do want to run it to win it. We would do want to be effective in what God's called us to do. We know things are going to try to trip us up and stumble us up and, and keep us from winning and keep us from being effective. Don't think we're so strong that we can't fall. But don't think that you have to fall. Run to win. Use the example of, of what happened with the nation of Israel there when the pillar of cloud was leading them. Let that be an example to you because there hath no temptation taken you but what God has given you a way of escape. We find that in the pillar of cloud we have the presence of God and in the person of Christ we have the presence of God himself. Not only do we see there that they had the presence of God in that pillar of cloud? But I want you to notice also in that same verse that they also had the providence of God. What do you mean? I mean, they had God's hand to guide them. They had God to show them where they needed to go. They had God to lead them the way. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way he was there in that pillar of cloud for the express purpose to lead them to guide them to show them where they needed to go we find that the psalmist David in Psalm 32 he put it this way Psalm 32 and verse 8 he said I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. You being guided by God's eye, not by yours. Our, our, our sight is very limited. But we're talking about God. We're talking about the presence of God in the pillar of cloud and in the person of Christ. That God was there present, but God's providence was at hand. God was there to lead them. God was there to guide them. God was there to show them the way. We don't have to guess at it. We don't have to wonder. John put it this way, the Gospel of John, in chapter 10. And he said this, beginning in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some of the way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And he putteth forth his own sheep. He goeth before them. And the sheep Follow him, for they know his voice. I'm saying, look, the nation of Israel 
in that pillar of cloud, they had the presence of God, but they had the providence of God. They had God himself there to lead them the way specifically. The Bible says just as clearly in the person of Christ that we have the presence and the providence of God. He's there to lead us. He's there to go before us just as the cloud went before them. We don't have to fall into that temptation. We don't have to stumble and fall. Don't think that we're so strong that we're not going to, but what we see is the reason that we don't have to fall is because Jesus is with us. Just as God was there in the pillar of cloud with the nation of Israel, he's there with us today. We find that we also saw there in Exodus, when we looked into chapter, chapter 24, one of the other places that we saw the pillar of cloud being present. Notice that there in chapter 24, in verses 15 to 18, and Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. There it is. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And do you know what happens in the next chapter if you want to read on down? It was there that God led and showed Moses the way of the building of the tabernacle. <laughs> That's what he did there in the cloud on that mountain. He gave him all the instructions of all the things that he was to go back to the people and how his tabernacle would be built and instructed for him. Folks, I'm saying that the children of Israel, they had that pillar of cloud. The angel of the Lord was present there. He was Jesus Christ himself. And God's just as present today with us in the person of Christ. God's hand is just as much providentially there to guide us, to lead us, to show us the way, where to go and how to do it if we'll just listen to him. We find that we saw something else as we looked there. We saw that back in... Exodus chapter 13 again. He says also, notice, he said there in verse 22, he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You see, we can know today in the pillar of the cloud was the presence of God, the providence of God, but it was also there in that that was the preservation of God. God was always with them. God was always right there. He never left them day or night. And one of the amazing things about that that I find, and I, and I, and I just kind of, kind of hit myself on the head and said, you know, this doesn't make sense. You see, the fact is, is that even when the sin crept into their lives, even when they weren't trusting God, even when they were involved in the sin. You see, they were separated in their fellowship. God never went anywhere. God was always there, Brother Steve. He was always there. He never left them. The whole time they were out there, he was right there. Yes, with them in the pillar of the cloud. I'm saying to you, listen, vitally important. We've been looking at this for some Sundays now when we've talked about biblical salvation and we've talked about saving faith and all of these things. I want to tell you something. That was his children. And even when they were being disobedient, he was still there. I'm saying the person of Christ in your life, you don't have to stumble. You don't have to fall. Even if you've messed up before, even if you messed up the last time, even if you messed up all the last times, if he's truly present within you, if you belong to him, then he is there all the time. He's never gone anywhere. You can break that fellowship. Your preservation is in him. The reason that you know that you can get through is in him. Notice what it said in Deuteronomy chapter 31. 
And in verse 6, he said, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. He said, you don't have to be afraid. God's the one that will preserve you. God is there. He's always there. He will never leave you. He will never destroy you. We find that in Hebrews chapter 13, they are reminded of that promise. He said there in, in, in verse 5, he said, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, there, in that pillar of cloud, they had the presence of God. They had the providence of God. They had the preservation of God. He was there with them all the time. He never left them. He never forsook them. And he's promised that very same promise to you and I. And in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, notice beginning in verse 12. He says this. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Notice verse 13. Who hath done what? Delivered us. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I'm saying to you, we've got... We've got the preservation of God. He's the one. Will you think back and remember what it was? Why was it that that pillar of cloud was there with them before they ever got to the Red Sea? Before they were free of the Egyptian soldiers, God was delivering them out of captivity, folks. He was their deliverer. He was the one that brought them out of there, led them out of there. Today, he's the only one that can deliver you, me, our friends, our loved ones. He's the only one that can deliver them out of the enemy's hands. But he is the deliverer, and he's there for us. And you can count on that. You're in a race. You need to run it to win. Don't just be playing games. Don't be messing about. If you've had your radio and TV on day, you've probably heard some of the athletics taking place out at Alexander Stadium out here. They're out there running those races of athletics because they want to be the national champions. We need to run this race. Be a champion for him. We're running for him. We want him to get the glory for it. Devil's going to be there. You don't have to worry about that because in the person of Christ, just as the nation of Israel had in the pillar of the cloud. you got the presence of God, the providence of God, the preservation of God. And you got something else here. Guess what? you got the protection of God. you got his protection. We looked at that. We read that in, in, in Exodus chapter 14, that second place that we saw the cloud being mentioned there. In verse 19 of, of chapter 14, he said to us, and the angel of God, whoop, there's Jesus Christ. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind him. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. We talked about that last week. He was before them. He was leading them. When the enemy started coming, he moved from the front of them, put himself smack between them and the enemy. They had to get through God. They had to get through Jesus Christ. They had to get through the angel of the Lord in order to get to God's people. There was no other way of getting there. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel. 
And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not to the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels. And they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore, and Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And I want to say to you, just as surely... Just as surely as the enemy was defeated there and they looked and they saw him dead on the shore, we're looking forward to that same day when in the person of Jesus Christ, our enemy will be defeated. Satan himself will be defeated and he's the one that'll be cast into the lake of fire where he'll spend all of eternity never to exit that place again. The same God, the same God that was there in the pillar of the cloud is the same God that is with us in the person of Christ. And we find that if you look into the psalmist again, just a couple of verses in Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And in verse 7, the Word of God says this. says the angel of the Lord. Didn't we just read about him back there with, with the nation of Israel? And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And what? I've circled that next word in my Bible. And delivereth them. Delivereth them. The same God that was present in the pillar of the cloud, the same angel of the Lord, the same Lord Jesus Christ himself that delivered them at the, in, in, at the enemy's hand is there to deliver you from the enemy's hand today. Turn over just a few pages to Psalm 125. Notice what he says there in verse 2. Psalm 125 and verse 2, he says, As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. When is that? From henceforth even forever. I think that's what he said about the pillar of the cloud. But it says here, he gives us that promise around his people. He's always there. If you look into the gospel of Luke, I'll give you just two quick portions there. In Luke chapter 8, we find that beginning in verse 22, a familiar story. And it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over into the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. There came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? They, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water. And they 
obey him. Jesus was there to protect his disciples. That same Jesus is there to protect you today. Matter of fact, he'll still be there if you look into Luke chapter 21, jumping right the way through. Notice what he says. And of course, as we look here in this portion of Scripture, we're talking about a coming age. And he's speaking about the times that, that will come. And he says in verse 16, And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren, kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about when everybody's turned against you. Yes, he's talking about the end times here. When everybody's turned against you. When the only way to stand up for him and be counted by his name is death. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. You see, the pillar of cloud. Israel had the presence of God, the providence of God, the preservation of God, and the protection of God in that. We've got it just as surely. This is why he's saying, look back. Look at what happened with them and learn from it. I want to give you a couple of things here. There's something else that they had that we have too. That's the provision of God. The provision of God. Notice that another one of the places that we looked there in Exodus was in chapter 16. And of course, as we looked into chapter 16, notice down in, in verse 10, and it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the mummerings of the children of Israel, speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with, the, with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God came to pass that even the quails came down and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. That was for their natural feeding. Now, you know the story, so I'm not going to read it, but if you, if you want to look over, I'm going to look at a couple of verses, but not the, the first part of this chapter in the Gospel of John chapter 6. The first part of that chapter is given over to giving us an account of the Lord Jesus Christ feeding the 5,000. You know, the nation of Israel were fed with manna. Well, here we find him feeding the, the, the 5,000, but then I want you to, uh, to notice that just as he fed them both physically, that by the same token, the greatest provision is the spiritual. Now, back in Exodus chapter 19 and in verse 9, the Bible said to us there, and the Lord said unto Moses, lo, I came unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the, of the people unto the Lord. Now, jump down, if you would, to verse 16. He says there, he says, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount and Moses went up. And if you go read on down, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. He sent them back. This, my friends, we find that here that God was providing for them in the giving of the law. God was giving them their instructions. 
God was giving them the laws that they were to live by. He was giving them the means of worship that they were to worship him by. God was giving them spiritual food in that cloud. Well, in John chapter 6, wow, again, such a beautiful passage. And in John chapter 6, we find that this same crowd that, that the Lord had fed there, the physical food and feeding of the 5,000, Notice when it comes down to verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. <laughs> the only reason you followed me is because you got a meal out of it. <laughs> You're not following me for, for the miraculous things. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said, said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto them, What sign showest thou then that we see thee and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light and life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us that bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And you can read right on down, right down through verse 59, his great discourse on the bread of life. I'm saying that there with the nation of Israel in the pillar of the cloud, they had the presence of God, the providence of God, the preservation of God, the protection of God. And we see here they had the provision of God in the person of Christ. We have those same things, but thank God. It's not just the natural. Jesus Christ can provide for the natural things. The Bible promises us that our needs will be met, that he knows them. But most of all, he's the provider of that spiritual meat, that spiritual food. He is the bread of life. I want to give you this in closing. We saw there in the book of Exodus, I'm not even going to turn back and read it because of time, but in chapter 34, we saw the personification of God in the cloud. All about who God was. In chapter 40, when the work was finished, when they'd finished building the tabernacle, we saw the place filled with God's glory. I'm saying that in that cloud, they saw the personification of God himself. But for us, we see that. In Jesus Christ, again, upon his entry into this world, Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 18, the Word of God says this. It says, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image <laughs> from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right now, we can only just get a glimpse of what the glory of God is really about. But you that are running this race, that the enemy's going to be out there trying to trip up and get you to mess up along the way, don't worry. There's no temptation come your way, which is common to man. And God won't allow the temptation to come without a way of escape. Learn from the nation of Israel. You see, you don't have to fall, not because you think that you got it licked. The only reason you don't have to fall is because Jesus Christ, he's always there every step of the way. And I give you this verse in closing this evening, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. We're in the person of Christ. 
The Bible says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You can't be any more the person of God than that. It was God himself in person that was present with Israel. It was Jesus Christ that was there in that cloud. It was Jesus Christ that was there. He was their rock just as he is our rock today. Well, what a privilege to even be able to be. You know, one of the things that all those people that are over there running in those athletics today, they had to qualify to get there. They had to beat a whole lot of other people. It was a privilege, an honor for them. And you know what is it next week that they begin all the tryouts for getting those spots in the 2012 Olympics? Do you know what an honor that it is for them to get there and, and to run in that race for their nation, to represent Great Britain, to represent their nation there before the whole world? You're representing Jesus. You're flying the flag of heaven. It's a privilege to be in this race, to be able to run for him. And we need to run it to win it for him, for his glory. And yes, boy, the number of things that are going to try to discourage you and trip you up and get you messed up along the way. I don't want you to feel like that you're so good that you won't mess up. I want you to realize you've got somebody with you that will help you not to mess up. You don't have to fall. Because he's there. Just as he was there with his people right through their wandering in the wilderness to be brought them to the promised land, he's with you and I in the person of Christ this evening. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, I know that this is just one of those simple things. Lord, we tend to learn these stories of the nation of Israel being led across the, the Red Sea on dry land pillar of cloud and fire. Lord, we learn those stories in Sunday school usually as children. But Father, as we look and see the significance of so many of those things and what we have in the person of Christ. Lord, we are in a race. I pray that you'd help us to run it seriously. It's a bit of a disgrace to be chosen, to be able to run in this race, to represent our Lord, to be flying the, the flag of heaven and then just to get out there and not even take it serious. Help us to run for the prize that he might be glorified. Help us to recognize, yeah, with all the things, the harder we try to run, the worse the enemy will try to trip us up. But boy, we've got you with us all the way. We've got reason to realize we can win this race not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.